Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. I want to kick us off. We don't have a fancy bumper uh, for this particular show. We're going old school. Uh, but I'm Chris White. I am the president of Career Crossroads, and I'm the host today for uh, the CXR podcast. And we've got a new guest uh, that many in our space may or may not have heard of. He's sitting in Indy. He's dialed in from Delhi. Uh, it's Gaurav Chopi, or we'll call him GC. Uh, GC, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on. You are, you are just a, really quickly, you are the co-founder of Mesh. Now, that's a performance management platform built specifically for the remote workforce, right? Absolutely. We're, we're a performance management solution that's actually first first and foremost built for humans and not employees. Um, and yes, we're purpose building this for remote and remote hybrid teams. Um, so even a mix of in-person as well as a, a distributed workforce. Um, and really the platform um, you know, doesn't only manage, but actually helps knowledge workers accomplish goals and get useful, valuable, timely feedback, uh, especially as they work in remote and distributed teams. I love it. I love it. Well, before we jump in, because I want to know why they why do they need their own? Everybody's a snowflake, right? Everybody's got to have some just for them. So I want to know why they need you think they need their own performance management solution because they're not in the office. But before we do, uh, can you give everybody sort of an escalator pitch uh, of who you are? Sort of a one minute why, why we should care uh, what GC has to say to us. All right. In one, uh, you know, two lines, really, Chris. Firstly, uh, I've been a one-trick pony all my life, and I'll talk to you about why I say that, but uh, in a nutshell, I'm a recovering human capital consultant. Um, So well over a decade, uh, you know, I have focused primarily on organization effectiveness and performance management um, solutions. I've I've done 300-plus client assignments across 30 geographies, right from uh, funded hypergrowth startups to larger enterprises uh, in the form of Nestle AG, et cetera, on standalone consulting assignments. Um, And truth be told, I actually quit my cushy corporate consulting career three months before making it to partnership at an organization that I had put in my blood, sweat, and tears for a decade for. Um, And the only reason for that was that the whole world was kind of seeing a shift from traditional performance management to more modern new age practices. Um, and there really wasn't any technology out there that was looking at it in the, in, in a people first positive psychology manner. Um, and which is why I you know, really wanted to kind of uh, uh, collaborate with my seasoned uh, multiple time tech co-founders uh, to bring this vision to life. So that's a little bit about me and why possibly uh, even if I, can't share the do's, I can certainly share the don'ts from my past life. <laughs> I like that. And I don't know that I could say cushy corporate consultant uh, three times fast, but yeah, regardless. Uh, so it's, it's a magical alliteration. <laughs> well, it was fast. I don't know how you did it so quickly, but <laughs> so if you so share a little bit with me why you think um, why you think someone who who doesn't work in the office full time. Uh, needs some sort of different delivery from a performance management standpoint. Why, why, why something separate just for them? Why is it any different? All right. Let me first kind of zoom out and set the context a little bit here, because um, you know, very often when I speak about performance management or even people management in a remote or remote hybrid setting, people think um, you know there's there's a new science at play here. 
but truth be told, multiple researchers, and you don't have to take my word for it, but multiple researchers coming out of you know the Microsoft uh, Work Trend Index Survey or the Great Places to Work Institute in general will tell you that the biggest drivers of performance in an in-person environment are actually the same in a remote environment. Um, but for the longest time, we've actually been failing our knowledge workers um, and, and, and the new generations joining our workforce in actually doing a good job with modern performance management practices. But at the same time, uh, 2020 and the forced shift to remote, remote hybrid work has kind of exposed this split wide open. This, this little crack which seemed like good to have practices all of a sudden became hygiene practices. And the only way to scale these practices in a remote, remote hybrid setting um, is by leveraging technology, which is the reason why you need to bring in these, these practices that were emerging as modern performance management practices even before the pandemic uh, and start looking at tools that can scale this in a remote and distributed environment. So what would you say is one of those modern performance um, practices that are trending? Like, give us, give us an example of one that we might not expect. First up, um, the biggest driver for engagement and performance is having a best friend at work. And it was easy to do that when you had the luxury of physical proximity, but it's doubly hard actually establishing and making personal connections in a remote, remote hybrid setting, especially when, if you've joined an organization completely remotely. Um, so here is where that big chasm needs to be kind of made up both from a cadence uh, or a process point of view, but even more so from a technology point of view to possibly have those water cooler collisions uh, or those you know um, uh, authentic conversations happening between remote workers. Those organic conversations over the last year for remote workers have really become more of a scheduled conversation, right? You're not bumping into anybody while you're getting a new cup of coffee anymore or walking down the hall to your next meeting. Now they're, you know, quick scheduled calls, right? Do you, do you think that's impacting performance truly? Uh, quick scheduled calls to many of them and extremely unplanned. Uh, yeah, they're getting in the, in the way of productivity. They're getting in the way of you actually having meaningful conversations with your colleagues. Um, uh, you know, again, uh, just like I like zooming out, um, I think one thing all of us can take a lot of, uh, you know, solace as well as pride in is the fact that the human race has again proven how adaptable uh, it is, because for the large part of the workforce that went through, uh, has gone through the last two years, um, you know, who weren't always native remote workers, but have been forced into that, productivity has actually spiked. And productivity didn't just spike for the short term. It's it's actually sustained at a very, very high level. But at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because um, the lack of hygiene in some of these conversations, the cadence, the structure, the agenda, having some of them uh, about your to-dos and tasks, but making equal and ample amount of space about having agenda-less authentic conversations where you're getting to know the person behind the professional. Um, you know, or the lack of that structure has really... Uh, led to multiple cases of burnout, whether whether people realize it or not. Um, and, and that's really where both process, cadence, and even more so technology has a role to play, uh, where it starts nudging people to realize, um, you know, the importance in the agenda and, um, you know, of every conversation that's scheduled on the, uh, on the calendar. And now even more so, every conversation that can't be scheduled on the calendar needs to be done asynchronously using technology. Yeah, I, well, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we've talked to several leaders who have really talked about, you know, this burnout issue is real, as all of us know, but they're really having to flex new muscles, I think, in the last couple of years with regards to managing, and I don't, I don't know a better phrase for this, uh, GC, but, but managing the entire employee, right, the, the entire mm -hmm. team member, and listening a little bit more about what's going on at home, or being a little more tolerant about, you know, background noise or distractions, 
uh, from work and that that flex schedule. And I think that's a that is kind of a big deal. And and one of one of our favorite leaders, you know, continued to say that, you know, they were kicking off calls in the in the second round of stay at home, right? In the second year, they were kicking off calls one on one, saying, "Hey, how are you?" And they'd give the employee mm-hmm. a, a chance to answer, and then they'd say, "Okay, but how are you?" Right. And, and mm-hmm. sort of and I hate to use this phrase, but sort of double clicking on sort of, you know, getting that employee to talk to them and realize they're invested in them. I, I love I love what you say there, Chris, to be honest. And, and if you're struggling for a term at mesh, we call it the whole self, um, you know, the whole employee. So we call it the whole self. And, and really inclusion in general starts from not forcing people or unlearning, uh, segregating your narrow professional self with, uh, you know, the actual person that you are outside of work per se. Um, and, and really knowledge workers and, and, and the newer generations joining the workforce are kind of demanding that from people because it just doesn't make sense. And, and, and neuroscience will tell you, uh, I won't throw any more jargon, but neuroscience will tell you it actually over a period of time starts to cause dissonance in your mind and hampers productivity any which way. Um, but to your other point about uh, people kind of starting to realize that they need to kick off Zoom calls by first kind of breaking the ice and starting to get to know people, that shouldn't just be an ad hoc five minute top of the meeting conversation to break the ice. That actually needs to be a calendarized conversation that every people manager um, you know, is scheduling with every team member that they care about, that they want to drive growth with, uh, that they that are critical to the performance of the team. And, and this isn't a new phenomenon. Um, you know, around 2015, 2016, when the likes of GE, Adobe, everyone started picking up their traditional annual performance reviews and throwing it out of the window, uh, everyone woke up and smelled the coffee, which is where the role of the manager as a coach really started seeing a lot of prevalence and popularity. Um, and the magic about coaching really is that uh, in order to be an effective coach, you need to coach less and listen more. Um, so two things that I've realized are very, very tangible skills that that are lacking, that technology can help kind of scale mm-hmm. is number one, the art of asking the right questions. And number two, the art or the culture of writing everything down. Because both of these put together actually reduce um, you know, the time spent in actual in-person meetings, increase the quality of asynchronous collaboration. And when you actually spend time in in-person meetings, you get to learn about the other person you know, on the other side of the camera uh, much, much more than you would ever if you were a traditional manager who was just belting out tasks and reviewing deadlines. So, so GC, are you talking about, you know, those of us who have ever managed employees know we don't really don't like doing performance reviews. I don't know any leader who Mm -hmm. enjoys doing performance reviews. They're a pain in the ass. They typically stack up towards the end of the year and then you're racing or scrambling or your team is racing or scrambling to write down all the stuff that they feel they did well, write down what they feel like they maybe could have done better. And now we're sort of doubling down on trying to figure out how to manage people whom we don't see live anymore and the relationships and the dynamics exchange. But what I also hear you telling me is that the annual performance review is on the outs. Is that, is, is that, am I hearing you right? Like that, that there's a big shift coming and are, are we truly going to move away from this? Because I kind of feel like we've been saying annual performance reviews are on the outs for years. I'm I'm waiting to pop a bottle of champagne when it actually actually happens around the globe, Chris. But we're 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 one of those organizations that are trying to drive that change and accelerate it uh, as quickly as possible. But I love how you described you know the experience of the annual performance review. It it just kind of encompasses everything that's broken about that process, right? Um, you're getting at the eleventh hour, a manager is going in, an individual is going in 
just trying to fill out the minimum character limit on a particular form that's been kind of thrust into their faces because there's a carrot dangling at the other end that you know if you don't fill this out um, um, there's no there's no career conversations there's no progression there's no incentive there's no increment so on and so forth um, but the flip side of that and something that um, you know almost every HR leader as well as knowledge worker in a company will tell you is that the data that you collect through these annual performance reviews about your people any which way is dirty data. 60% of it is marred by, by various kinds of human cognitive biases. Um, just imagine, um, I personally spent a decade in an organization. I had the best of leaders, um, um, you know, a, a visionary CEO that I really looked up to who was very purpose-driven. But if you extract data from 11 performance reviews that I went through in that organization, and I'm not in the room, and people who haven't worked with me aren't in the room, you, you can barely draw a vivid picture about my strengths, things that I really like working on, the type of people I collaborate well with, so on and so forth. Now, imagine in a remote environment, if you don't have a central accurate repository of this data, how are you really linking your company's top priorities and objectives with the best people to attack them? Um, you know, you, you'd really have no hope whatsoever. Um, so, that's really where the pandemic and this forced shift to remote, remote hybrid work, which, which really, and, and the pandemic is going to go away. I mean, with each passing wave, uh, you know, we're building resilience and, and, and I mean, so proud of all of us, um, you know, on the planet for actually overseeing and overcoming all of this. But remote hybrid works here to stay because if you look at organizations, they've hired talent around the world. Um, they're opposed to the great resignation and all of these being symptoms. Um, but really, what, what's, what's going to replace performance management or annual performance reviews uh, is something that I like calling performance previews. Um, and, and really how you look at it is not just waiting till the end of the year to have any sort of conversation, um, but allowing people to actually engage in those conversations when they have that moment of truth. In a summary, performance management needs to be, if we have to succeed as an organization in a remote, remote hybrid setting, and we need, and if we want to meet the expectations of uh, the newer generations as well as knowledge workers, performance management needs to actually dissolve and be replaced by self-management. And the only hope we have with actually organized, planned self-management, where the sum is greater than the sum of the parts, is if we do two things well, which traditional performance management doesn't do, which is encourage self-expression and deliver back real-time analytics visibly to the entire organization to drive self-awareness. Because if you don't have an opportunity of feel included enough to actually self-express yourself, be it around, hey, I'd like to work on this challenge, be it around, hey, can you give me feedback, be it around, Chris, you could have, you could have helped me in this podcast a little better if you tweaked the way you approach this in this manner, sorry to put you on the spot. Until um, that time, you're not really predisposed to collecting accurate data to actually drive any sort of performance management. Secondly, Annual performance reviews only, only feel throughout the period like a black box with some surprising messages coming back to you uh, that feel like they're coming from an ivory tower. So self-awareness in terms of really decentralizing and democratizing information about the company's performance, the CEO's performance, uh, the individual team member's performance, my manager's performance, so on and so forth is the only way that you can establish that connect with your people and drive self-management. Well, now, GC, are you I hate to interrupt you, but are you talking about creating some transparency with regards to leader performance? <laughs> <laughs> or, or how your peers were measured because there is i mean there is an organization that's in the news uh i think within the last week or so where uh they had an employee who was rated poorly told that they were rated poorly but there was no way to measure 
There was nothing to share with them as, as to how they could have done better or how the measurement was calculated. It seemed unfounded. So mm -hmm. he left that organization and is now lobbying for transparency uh, among the review, you know, within the review process within organizations. Is, is that sort of what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that's, that's a classic case of performance management gone wrong. Um, it is, you know, that, that particular case is up and, and it, you know, it's, it's getting air in the media per se, but uh, I'd say 70% of the organizations that are doing really, really well out there and are possibly touted as the best employees to work for um, are sitting on, uh, you know, a similar kind of landmine of issues waiting to erupt uh, because that's how we've kind of dug ourselves into that hole uh, by only looking at performance reviews as, as kind of a means to, you know, an end in itself per se, rather than actually driving performance, rather than actually helping knowledge workers be 1% better every day. Um, and to answer your, your earlier question, absolutely lobbying for complete transparency because, and I'm not saying this because it's the cool popular thing to say, there are two <laughs> big reasons why every organization needs to look at it, right? Um, first up, if you're managing a distributed team and simple things like goals or progress on goals, be it at the org level, be it at the function level, be it at the team level, are shrouded, are opaque, are, are not really transparent. That's where you're going to increase the meeting overload any which way because you need to be communicating every little change, shift uh, in person to people on a need-to-know basis. And that's that's just going to you know, make business managers, people managers, just be full-time messengers of changes and news across the organization. So it makes perfect business sense if you truly want to succeed as a remote hybrid organization to be absolutely transparent in this. Now, the second part is if you look at, you know, we spoke about bringing the whole self to work, right? Uh, today, if I idolize someone, uh, be it outside the workplace, I have access to their ins and outs of their thoughts, their beliefs, what they do with their day through, let's say, social media channels like Twitter and LinkedIn. And I, I kind of select my role models with whom I can empathize and I can connect at a personal level. Why should that be any different for the CEO of an organization, especially if today compensation is stable stakes and the best talent in the market is actually looking for more meaningful and purpose-driven work? Look, I'll say this for anybody who might be kind of shaking their head saying that level of transparency is never going to happen. I will remind you that not so many years ago, a lot of people were saying that um, <laughs> a level of transparency with regards to uh, compensation was never going to be achieved. And we're already seeing states chip away at that. New York City, I think, was the latest to hit the news that say that new jobs posted uh, now must include for New York City now must include wages. So there is a there is a movement in that direction. Uh, so I think there is something to what you, what's being said here by you and certainly how you're presenting that. But I feel like we've got a long ways to go and it will take some pioneers mm -hmm. sort of breaking shit along the way. Um, mm -hmm. But GC, let me ask you, because I think we're right about at time. If I am a TA leader, right, or a talent leader, and I'm at an organization that is not going to give up their annual reviews, right, that, mm -hmm. what's something I could do? Give me a tip or a hint to sort of help me move the needle even just a little bit in the in the direction of transparency or in the direction of better uh, coaching and better leading uh, my remote as well as my sometimes at work uh, workplace uh, workforce. That's that's a great, very powerful question, Chris. In fact, every organization trying to move away from traditional annual performance reviews into uh, you know, a more continuous performance management realm will always take baby steps because it isn't like an electrical appliance um, you know, that you can plug out the old one and plug in the new one. Um, so very, very simply put, uh, deconstruct what needs to be confidential and what needs to be private between a manager leader and a team member. 
And typically this will in such shrouded, traditionally shrouded cultures trying to break through will be your performance rating needs to be confidential and your compensation outcomes from your performance rating need to be confidential. Now look at everything else that goes in as an input into these performance reviews, your goals, your feedback, um, your conversations with your manager, make those completely transparent. Uh, goals completely transparent across the organization, very easy to do. No one's judging anyone else for the kind of goals they're owning or the progress that they're making. In fact, if someone's struggling, it's a shout out for help even before they put their hand up and ask for help. Um, in terms of feedback, all appreciative feedback to be made socially visible to everyone really helps bind remote cultures. Constructive feedback, maybe not so much. Better to share them uh, in a safe, private manner on an ongoing basis. Manager one-on-ones have and you know the culture of writing everything down, which which has visibility between the manager and the individual, and allow the individual to share the visibility of that with HR leaders, with their business leaders, so that they can kind of escalate certain things that they've been asking for in coaching conversations, which aren't happening. Um, which gives you a great way to measure manager effectiveness as well. So, in a nutshell, keep things which are very very sensitive, which is typically your performance ratings as well as your compensation decisions private. Right. Um, treat them as a necessary evil but make everything that's an input into that in the way that you see and define performance and the way you fuel performance and make that completely transparent and visible to everyone else. Does that seem like a useful suggestion, Chris? <laughs> I think it's certainly a start. I mean, that is not that is not one tip. That is a list <laughs> of how things can be written entirely. So having been there, I, I, I warned you. I warned you I'm a recovering human capital consultant. <laughs> Good stuff, but no longer cushy. No longer cushy. No longer cushy whatsoever. All right. Well, GC, thank you so much. Again, anybody who wants to learn a little bit more uh, about what GC does and the, and the co-founder and the work that's going on over there, it's mesh.ai is the website. GC, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Dialing in from Delhi, I know it's late for you, but we really appreciate your time. The pleasure was all mine, Chris. Thank you for having me over. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I don't need my next cup of coffee today. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. I'm not sure how to take that, but I'll take it. Uh, look, I want to thank everybody. We're, we're back. We're back for the new year. So uh, you can check us out. We're live streaming to YouTube for these uh, as we go forward. So we re really appreciate everybody dialing back in. You can expect to see us out here about the same time uh, almost every single week. Uh, we've got some new guests lined up. We're excited about if you need more information about what's coming up and the podcasts that are scheduled ahead so you can make time to get on your treadmill and be with us live. Uh, you're just going to go to CXR.Works. And until then, we're going to see everybody uh, online. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, CXR.Works, Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Career Crossroads, and on Instagram at Career X Roads. We'll catch you next time.